Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. You know, a few years ago, a couple years ago, I'm not good with timelines, but you'll remember as a society where we were put into solitary confinement. Something really weird happened, but we were put into this situation where everything was, was online. I might have shared this story before, but, but it just fits today, so bear with me. But we were in this season where everything was at your fingertips. Everything was on a cell phone. Mine's down there, but everything was just right here. And you, you entered into this world where, where you knew about a lot of things. You knew about a lot of people, but you didn't know a lot of people, right? This really embarrassing thing happened to me right at the end of it all, where I had just watched all these Christmas specials, and I'm not particularly into CCM, but you know, if you are, that's cool, but but the point was, is I was watching this concert from a very famous Christian contemporary artist, and, and it happened to be in his living room, and, and because everybody was in their houses, and so he, you know, did a concert in his house, and, and there was this weird experience where I, I knew what kind of dishware he had in his cabinets. Like, I could see, I was very familiar, oddly familiar with this guy's stuff, and you know, because he's doing a concert singing, and I'm kind of looking over in his kitchen like, wonder what kind of pots he has. <laughs> but, you know, it's all right here. It's like, what else can you do? You've watched everything on YouTube. And so, and so you know, we got way too, like, I knew a lot about this person. I, I knew what kind of their kitchenware they had. I knew what kind of stuff was going on. I knew what the inside of his house looks like. And I had seen him in that context because I was watching something, but I didn't experience it, Right? So then all of a sudden, fast forward a few months, you know, they start letting us out and all that's cool. And, and I'm in a Chinese restaurant in Bellevue and in walks our friend. And I can't for the life of me think where I know my friend from. But I know this guy. And so I'm sitting there racking my brain and I get so bold in my knowledge of this man then I throw him a, a peace sign. What's up? <laughs> Hoping he'll be like, Ian, what's up? And I'll be like, oh, that's where I know you from. And he just looks at me like, who are you? And I'm like, man, he's not catching the vibe. I should lean into this. And so I'm like about to get out of my seat and go up to him and talk to the guy. And all of a sudden it clicks. That's Matthew West. <laughs> You don't know Matthew West, <laughs> and he knows not you. And I'm like, I sink down in my chair, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know this guy at all. I just watched that stupid concert online in his living room, and I thought I knew the guy. Beloved, as we talk about suffering, as we talk and, and kind of wrap up a series, we'll always talk about this, but as we wrap up a series on suffering, I want to be overtly clear. You don't need a good plan. You don't need a good, a good you know, course of action. You, you don't need any kind of self-help or self, you know, any of that. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ 
intimately and personally, and that's it. I'm not talking about know him like you've watched a concert in his living room. I'm talking about you need to go meet the man. You need to have an intimate experience with Jesus. You need to know him, not in your thinker, but in your knower. You need to have walked with him and experienced him and trust in him. Yes, be a part of the body of Christ. Yes, be a part of using your gifts. Yes, be a part of, of all these other things. But you need to know him, not just know him. Are we communicating? It's not enough to know about him. If you only know about Jesus in your time of greatest struggle, in your time of, of greatest pain, you will falter. It, it will trip you up because you'll go, man, I thought I, I didn't, it, it'll, it'll discombobulate and confuse because, because it's different. When I looked at that guy in that Chinese restaurant, he looked back at me like, I don't know you at all. You don't want that experience when you are in your greatest time of pain. When we're in our, in our greatest time of struggle, we need to have an intimate experience with the king, and that's it. And so today, we're gonna dive into his word and talk about why he is sufficient, why he is worthy, why he is the only one we need. I wanna remind you, though, of our anchor verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. It says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, as we explore this, this big idea of learning how to suffer and even suffer well as we start to expect suffering, as we start to prepare for suffering. The preparation needs to be leaning into relationship, not like doomsday prepping, like, okay, I've got this in order and this in order and this in order and this in order. Like, you know, if you do that, that's great. But the, the bottom line is, is we prepare to go through hard times it needs to look like leaning into relationship with him. Because when we walk in relationship with him, this verse actually has meat on the bone. Where we go, man, I can actually endure light affliction. I can actually endure very difficult situations. I actually can not lose heart. And in doing so, when I put my eyes on that which is eternal, Jesus, when I put my, my focus on him and only him, when I trust in him and only him, all of a sudden, he starts using my pain, using my heartache, using the most difficult things in my life for this eternal weight of glory. He, he starts to give me this, this gift of, of, of this eternal weight of glory through the process of going through that which we struggle with. So I'm actually really confusing the tech guys because I'm flipping around here. I want to look at, at a verse. My notes are all over the place. Here we go. In John 16, 32 and 33. And we're going to look at this and it's going to be a, a picture of how we can trust in him and then we're going to go into this place of why he is sufficient. But, but, but John 16, 32 and 33 says this. 
Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered. Does anybody feel scattered today? Each to his own, and will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone. Because the Father is with me, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I want to look at a few pieces here. First, he says this, that when you're in Christ, and this is him speaking, but when we're in Christ, we're never going to be alone. It's fascinating to me that Jesus is telling his disciples, you're going to leave me. You're going to scatter. You're going to go all over the place. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bail. But don't worry. I'm not alone. So therefore, a promise that we have in Christ is that when we're in a moment of, of suffering, that we're in a moment of, of difficulty, that we're, when we're in a moment where, where everything seems to be going wrong and everyone around you bails, you are not alone. Loneliness, isolation, there's a reason isolation is the worst form of punishment in the worst places of punishment. Because human beings aren't good alone. We know that from Genesis. And so he says, hey, you need to understand something. When we're trusting and leaning and, and all in in Jesus, when we're in relationship with him and we're, we're all focused on that, not our own strength, not our own works, not any of our merit, that we have this unique gift that we will never be left alone. And the person that's going to show up in your life the person that's going to be there when no one else will be there, not your spouse, not anyone else, the person that's going to be promises to stay with you is Jesus. And it is in him alone where you're going to find peace. Because he says, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. Y'all, there is I mean, how many songs, you know, I'm just thinking of this one in my head. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like our whole world is seeking something. They're seeking life. They're seeking hope. They're seeking peace. Something to silence the anxieties and fears. Something to silence the, 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 the pain and the struggle and the confusion. Something to make me feel like I'm not alone and I do belong. And I want to save us all that time and energy. If we think the next election is going to give us peace, we're wrong. If we think the next sale we get is going to give us peace, you're wrong. If you think the, 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 the kids playing one more sport and you going to one more travel game is going to give you peace, you're way wrong. I've heard it said like this. It's a bucket with a hole in the bottom. You'll keep adding. And it just falls through the bottom. The only place we will find overwhelming, resounding peace in our soul is in Christ Jesus, our King. It's not some far off thing, some, some distant place, some grass is greener on the other side. There is no, I mean, there's oftentimes the grass over there is painted anyways. I'm telling you, 
If we want to have, have our heart full, if we want to be ready to, to endure suffering, to endure pain, to endure what is coming in this life, it's a promise right here. Peace is only found in who he is and what he has said. And so we must be purposeful to go, it's only in him I can find it. And then he says, in the world you will have tribulations. It's not a maybe or potentially or possibly. It's a guarantee. You're gonna have tribulations. You're gonna have issues. The word in Greek is thalipsis. It's, it's affliction, distress, suffering. You're gonna have stuff. This word is is, and I've talked about this before, but, but this word has such imagery connected to it. It's, it's to be pressed down upon. I, I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm not a crowds guy. My wife snickered there. I, I, I like the idea of it, but when I get into it, I get a little bit antsy. You know, I don't, I don't like a lot of people pressed about me. I just don't love being in huge crowds. And I went to dinner one night with my dad and my brother. <clears throat> and I couldn't even tell you the name of the restaurant. But when we walked into the restaurant, it felt more like a, uh, a death trap. It, it wasn't a restaurant at all. It was like you walk in and, and it was just, I mean, th this, we looked spread out. Like these, this, this place was packed. And to get to the place where you order, you had to like actually touch people, you know, like just getting through the crowd. Not a fan. It was insane. And in the middle of the crowd, once you get in there and, and dad's up there and brother's somewhere over there, I think he's, you know, crowd surfing and, and you're kind of shuffling through and people are bumping you and touching you. That's the lipsis. When you have no control, but the world starts pressing in on you. That feeling of being disoriented and out of control, knowing at any moment if the herd moves, you're getting crushed. That's the lipsis. To, to be t between two rocks that are pressing against you, that's the lipsis. In this world, you will have moments where you are being pressed in upon by outward circumstances. There will be times that you can't control it. Now listen, I can control never going downtown to eat again. That's, that's possible. Although there is some good food down there. But, but there's gonna be times in this life where pain, suffering, affliction presses in on you, disorients you, flips you upside down and backwards. And we have to be Aware of it, prepared for it. And then he goes on and says, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome it. So there is this, there's this promise that Jesus says, hey, you'll never be alone. That I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna be the one. You're never gonna be alone. I'm gonna be where you find peace. You will have moments of of the crowd pressing in, of the, the rocks being too tight, you're gonna have moments where tribulation just presses into you. 
But don't just endure it. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. There is this incredible celebration that we can have. And the problem is, is most of us aren't 100% sure that that's true. If we're really honest, when affliction comes, the hardest part is not trusting that I won't be alone. It's not trusting that I can have peace in him. It's trusting that he has actually overcome. So the difficulty is his sufficiency. And that's what I want to quickly talk about today. I won't keep you here till noon, but, but I want us to talk really quickly about his sufficiency. Who Jesus is and why is he so worthy to be trusted to say that he has overcome the world? Why is it that he can, can say that and, and if we believe it, it can actually give us cheer in our hardest times? I submit to you Hebrews 5, 5 through 9. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a high priest forever. A priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So beloved, in order to fully trust that he is the great overcomer, we need to reflect clearly on who we are talking about. You see, Jesus is not just, you know, well, I guess we gotta, you know, he, it's kind of the nepotism thing, like he's just the next in line, so we gotta trust in him. No, he is everything and more. And the two things that when you read that verse that kind of jump off the page to me, two questions that are really big that we have to answer is two things. He said, one, he learned, and two, he was perfected. That really, okay. <laughs> We're on to something. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That begs a question, does that mean at one time or another that he was somehow incomplete? That, that somehow if he, if he learned something, does that mean that at some point he didn't know something? Not at all. 1 John 3.20 says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So what does it mean that he learned obedience by the things he suffered? I think this is fascinating. The word learned and suffered in Greek rhyme. Imathen and epithen. And their similarity made their connection almost commonplace in ancient Greek literature. 
So, so they would oftentimes use these words as synonyms. They would just kind of throw them back and forth because learning and suffering, learning and suffering were almost the same word. These words were so connected that sometimes people would just use them interchangeably. This kind of learning is different than being in a class somewhere. And, 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 and so, the, so the word suffering isn't different. The word learn is different. When I think learn, I think my kids are going to school trying to learn how to, how to learn the alphabet. Like at one time they didn't know it. They just, you know, rambled in sounds. And then all of a sudden they start to develop it, start to understand it, start to learn it. They go from without knowledge to with knowledge. That is not what this learn means. This learn means experience. This learn is, 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 is something that happens when you go through it. This learn is a learn that shapes you and changes you, but it isn't something you didn't know before. It's something you didn't know before. Does that make sense? Like three people are shaking their head. I can't see everybody with the lights, but think about it like this. If you've ever had children, it's not that I didn't know kids before I had kids, but something changed me when I had kids. Something shaped in me. Something was different. Part of that was empathy. I used to go out to eat and hear screaming kids in, in a movie or a restaurant, and I would be, jeez. I wish they could get some control. <laughs> Do you even read your Bible? Like, total judgment, you know? Quiet that kid down. I paid $18 for this seat. Once you have four kids, things change. Empathy goes way up. Alicia was coming to babysit my house one time right after the twins were, I don't know, they, how old were they, two or something? Two-ish. We had a two-story house, garage, rec room, living room right when you walk in, pretty basic. And I used to be this judgmental guy with kids, and then all of a sudden Alicia was coming over to babysit, and by babysit I mean just like give us a chance to breathe because we had four kids under the age of four, and she walked in, and she looked at me kind of puzzled, and she said, hey, uh, I'm not sure if it's Forrester Leo, but one of the twins is literally hanging out of the window over the garage. <laughs> so, oh, all right. I'm going to go. I think I should deal with that. I, I, so I run, you know, up there, and they have got the whole neighborhood on their you know, fingertips just, you know, doing shows, laughing and goofing. One of the kids is literally sitting over the edge, like both feet hanging out of the second story window. <laughs> and immediately in that moment, I had empathy for every crying child at the movie theater. I learned something through the humility of that. My two-year-old hanging out of a second story window, it, it just... Something in that, just automatically you go, I'm not as in control as I thought I was, and I feel bad for every parent I've scolded in the past. And, and so we have to realize that there's nothing about kids. There wasn't anything that I, that I learned new. There wasn't something that I went, man, I, 
I had no idea that kids did wild things. I had no idea that kids were really hard to, really, really hard, really, really hard to control. It's not that I wasn't aware of that, but I learned something through the experience. I went through it. Jesus knew things that he had to come to earth and learn. He had to come to earth and experience in order for the reality to set in. He had to learn obedience through suffering. He, it, it, was, it was through that learning, suffering, the, 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 that experience of going through it. You know, we can say like, man, I want to be obedient, but obedience is, is rarely obedience until you don't want to do it. When my kids want to eat ice cream and I say, hey, eat ice cream, that's, they're like, yeah, all right. Like, that's different. But, but when you learn obedience, it's when you say, don't eat the ice cream. Don't touch that ice cream. Don't. And my kids, you know, they're, they're unlike other kids. They just eat it anyways. And if you have any advice, send them me an email. Don't actually. <laughs> but the point is, is we learn what obedience really is like when we have the opportunity to do something different. When we, when we experience it, when we go through it, when we struggle with it, when we, when we walk through the process, when we experience the, the pain and we experience what, what it takes to go through, all of a sudden you learn something different about it. So Jesus didn't learn. It wasn't like he didn't know what obedience was like. It wasn't like he didn't have a perfect relationship with the Father. But meat got put on the bones when he came and suffered on this earth. All of a sudden, he became this worthy sacrifice because he went through what none of us have even thought about going through in order to be called our great and holy and worthy high priest. Amen. And so we get to know that he is not without knowledge. He's not without, without everything he needs to be called the perfect high priest. He is a worthy one. And that's why when it says he's overcome the world, we can have good cheer because if he's done it and he's promised it, he's faithful to get us through it. Then it goes on and it says this other crazy thing, that he was perfected. Well, again, does that mean that at one time he was imperfect or even sinful? Absolutely not. If you just back up a couple verses, Hebrews 4, 14, and 15 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So yet again, the writer is reinforcing that these human experience perfected Jesus as our worthy high priest. It didn't take him from imperfect to perfect. It didn't take him from sinful to sinless. It rounded him out and completed him as the perfect mediator between God and man. It, it, it allowed him to experience all things that we've experienced and more. You might go with Jesus, you know, he was God. He, 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 didn't, he didn't go through what I did. He doesn't understand temptation. Yes, he was tempted in all ways, yet he didn't sin. He, he was tempted to be anxious. He was tempted to be worried. He was tempted to live fearful. He was tempted to lust. He was tempted to all things. And yet 
He didn't sin. You see, sin is not temptation. It's the follow through. So when we, when we are in the midst of, 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 of being tempted, that's not, a lot of us go, oh man, I already failed, God. It's like, no, what are you going to do with it? What, what are you going to do about it? Step back off the cliff. Get away from it. Jesus was tempted. He sympathizes with our weakness, but in all ways was tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, suffering is God's chosen vehicle to learn and perfect the Lord Jesus as our high priest. So why do we think we can become all God has made us to become? Through comfort. See, church, we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to grapple with this. We've got to be prepared for this. This is not a message saying everyone else in the room but you. I'm talking to you. Suffering, tribulation, the ellipsis is coming in our life. And it will be used like it was for Jesus to shape and perfect, to learn and to make holy. It's necessary for us to not be confused here. God is not up in heaven aloof, confused. He's not an old grandpa in the sky that doesn't even know what the internet is. He is a perfect craftsman, completely focused on his creation. He is in tune with you and every hair on your head, and he's using life on earth to shape you and to mold you, to learn you and perfect you to push you into the image of the Lord Jesus. He did it first with him and he's doing it now with you. He took what was, what was perfect and, 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 he, and, he, and, he, and he came through it and now he's taking that which is imperfect and he's drawing him into his son. And so as we look at the hard times that will come, we remember back now to the first set of verses that we will never be alone, that only in him will we find peace. And actually, because of how beautiful, how wonderful, how holy and magnificent Jesus is, because he has, has been learned and perfected, we can be of good cheer because he, the worthy one, the holy one, has overcome the world. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for these moments we share. We thank you for, as weird as it sounds, suffering. We thank you that Jesus is our great and worthy high priest. That it's in him that we're gonna find what we've always looked for. That it's in him we're gonna find peace, that it's in him we find that ability to never be alone, and it's in him and because of him and because of the worthiness of him that we can be of good cheer as the world goes crazy around us, knowing that our high priest, that our mediator between us and you that the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the world. We trust and rest and praise in that place and for that fact alone. So God, come be with us. Shape us, mold us, make us into your image.
because of all these things that have been said, we trust you with this because of who you are. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, church? Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week as we start celebrating our third anniversary.